Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. It's 8 a.m. It is February 12, 2016. There is no more football actually being played on the field. Amo, do you have your football hangover yet? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. You know, it hasn't hit me yet. I think, you know, when it hits me, it, it, I think it's easier for even though you guys love football in the South, I think it's easier for you to deal with down there. Um, you have your seven-on-seven seven stuff going on. You have nice weather. The sun's out. You, you know, don't really feel that bad. And like, what if you're not into high school football like that? You know what I mean? What 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 do you what do you do then? What if you're like a What I'm trying to tell you, you, you got you got some other stuff to brighten your mood, okay? In the Northeast, you've lived up here. January and February are brutal, but February especially. January, you got the NFL playoffs. So if you're a football fan, that kind of gets you through the month after the the holidays end. Then you sit here on whatever it is today, February 12th. If you I'm a baseball fan, so you know I've got six weeks like you till baseball starts. Uh, it's cold. It's going to be nine as a high tomorrow or ten, uh, low overnight mm-hmm. of, of negative four. Um, so you know there's not a lot as a sports negative fan four. to get. Ex- ne- I said negative. Yeah, yeah. You know it's funny. I was in, you know the listeners who you probably mentioned. I was in South Beach last week, and you know you guys are just absolutely hilarious down there. I'm there four days. The first day it's about eighty. Uh, a little overcast, enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself all four days. Next day is windy, mid-60, sunny, uh, then 80 again, then 67 and sunny on Super Bowl Sunday. And you have people walking around South Beach with, like, North Face jackets on. You'd swear to God. I mean, up here. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Flag on the play, okay, uh, for you listeners out there. I, Abel and I went out one night, okay? Uh, <laughs> Abel and his lovely wife, Denise, and I all went out and had some dinner down in South Beach at a, a great restaurant, by the way, Sebo. I, I do want to, you know, yeah, throw, very throw good. some love. Excellent. Yeah, great place. All right, the temperatures were, eh, you know, it did dip down a little bit. Let me tell you something. These two northerners from Pennsylvania weren't exactly walking around in T-shirts and acting like, you know, it was hot around here, okay? You were a little chilly yourself, Mr. Tough Guy. I, I was, but, but I, was, I saw people walking along, uh, you know, Ocean Boulevard, literally with their collar up on a North Face jacket. It's 65, 66 degrees. The sun's out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Listen, when it dips below 70, the serious things that are going to happen here. Gloves get brought out. <laughs> scarves get brought out. Skull caps get brought out. Um, chapstick is, you can't find any of it at any local gas station. That's what goes on down here. That's just the way things are. Well, my real endeavors in business, I have a vendor up on the upper peninsula of Michigan, a huge company, and I talk to the people up there all the time. Now, for anybody who isn't good with their geography, the upper peninsula of Michigan is up on Lake Mm -hmm. Superior. 
uh, you're getting near the Canadian border. It's routine for them. Someone there sent me an email saying, hey, we got 32 inches of snow last night. Uh, today's not going to be bad. We're only going to get another eight. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so cool. This all, this all, this all more from a conversation of football hangover. And what I'm trying to tell you is there's nothing to be hung over about. If you're in like Florida or, or Georgia or South Carolina or California, nothing, you go outside, it'll be nice. It'll be 70 degrees. Look at the sunshine and you'll get through it. Me, I've got a tough six weeks coming up. Yes, you do. Indeed you do. And, uh, you are in our thoughts. <laughs> <Down here. laughs> yeah, that sounded so. You sounded so sincere as you said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we feel for you folks up there trying to get yourself through snow, and uh, you know, get to work like us down here in good old. Yeah, right. All right, what do we got? What do we got going on in the gridiron? Since there's no actual football going on, <clears throat> and you know what, the way things are nowadays, uh, we're prepped all season long for the off season because even when the games are being played on the field. We still seem to find uh, the, every opportunity to talk about what's happening off the field. Uh, in college football, I don't know how much you follow this, Amal, but, um, you know, in his first year really on the job, first full year on the job, Jim Harbaugh has uh, been rather unique, if we could use that word. And it's he's been unique you know, on the field. He's been unique in recruiting. And he's also unique in the offseason activities, in particular spring football practice, which he would like to have some of those down here in South Florida. Guess who's got a big problem with that? Uh, well, I'm going to guess the SEC commissioner and the rest of the coaches. Oh, yeah, just about every one of them. The SEC has reportedly asked the NCAA to block teams from holding spring practices over that school's spring break, talking about, you know, um, uh, Michigan trying to hold spring spring practices you know, over the break and uh, whole practices down here in South Florida. Um, and, you know, Michigan folks obviously getting a big chuckle out of that. What do you what do you think of Jim Harbaugh's, I don't want to say tactic, but just his move to try and have uh, some spring practices in good old sunny well, Florida that we just talked about? One, it strikes me as a guy who doesn't plan to be there very long. Um, you know, he's not looking for any respect from his peers. You know, he's just playing fast and loose. So, you know, that already tells me this guy's got a plan and it's he's trying to put it in super hyper mode to do whatever he thinks he wants to do in that crazy head of his before he goes back to the NFL and he will go back to the NFL. That 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 my friend, I that my friend I would place a good wager on if there was a place to wager on it. So that's yeah, you know, that's, that's it, it seems through some of the actions including this that this is a short-term deal for him. And this, this has just been Harbaugh's M.O. Has it not been going somewhere, um, really wear himself out, burn out, wear out the people around him, and then he's on to the next thing? And when you're talking about holding spring practices during what is supposed to be Michigan spring break, well, that begins the process of wearing a guy out. You're taking spring practice, spring, spring break away from your college football players. Well, you know, that's what gets lost in all this, you know, if, you, if you're really – drill down into what's going on fans get upset because all fans really care about is their team um coaches get upset because all they care about is their team like they're supposed to but you forget that that you know you have a kid playing these these are still 18 19 20 year old kids they're supposed to be getting a college experience one of those experiences is spring break whether you go somewhere or you just want to hang out and do nothing with your buddies point is 
it's a time in your life you're supposed to get, you know, a little bit of a break, some fun. And he's taking them down there to practice. Now, he'll he'll position it as, I, I read some of this the other day, we're going to play some putt-putt golf and we're going to have some, you know, swimming contests. But, you know, let's face it, they're going to be practicing. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure he, he he knows that recruits will show up and watch them practice. So it's not going to be a bunch of guys, you know, having water balloon fights. They're going to be practicing football. And, and and knowing the way he practices, doing it pretty hard and pretty physical. So, you know, I think that's kind of what's getting lost a little bit here. Well, that is the SEC's major point of uh, contention with this, is that they are concerned for the Michigan players that will be losing their spring break. Are you buying that end of it? No, and I think it's actually not you, but I think it's being misstated or maybe they're not articulating their position as clearly as they should. I think what they're really saying is because Michigan's doing this in the recruiting war, we know that we're going to have to start trotting our teams out there during spring break when Michigan's down here or however they do it to counter that with recruits, and we're going to tire our kids out. That's really what they're trying to say. They don't care. They don't give a damn about Michigan's kids, but they probably do care a little bit about their own kids because they know that it's going to be tit for tat. We have to match that. We have to somehow figure out how to do this. So we offset him just down here, carte blanche, having Michigan practice while our guys are out uh, on a surfboard in Florida. Yeah, a direct quote from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey says, our primary action is that in the face of the time demand conversations, we've got one program taking what has been free time away. And like you said, you, shot, you get one program doing that, it won't be the only program, especially if they come out and they have some pretty good results next year, which everyone expects Michigan to do. There will be pressure immediately for other Big Ten schools to do this, which will then you know, cause a, you know, a domino effect uh, throughout other programs. And then what do you do? You run out of field space down here in Florida if everyone from up north starts wanting to come down here because then you get the ACC teams and then you get the AAC teams and Big Ten teams and all of that starts happening, and then what do you do? Where do you put all these people? How do they schedule that? Uh, you know, the satellite camps that they've had the last couple of seasons here have come under fire. So there's a lot going on up north to try and reclaim college football from the SEC. I don't know if you kind of noticed that happening. Yeah, oh, no, 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 there's no doubt about it. But, you know, again, I think it's – I think you start getting – when you start doing this with college sports, and I'm – you know, I'm a pretty realistic guy. I'm not saying this is purely amateur sports in the sense that, you know, these guys are getting scholarships. Um, you know, a lot of money's changing hands in that you're going to school for free. And obviously at the bigger programs, it's a stepping stone. One would hope for a lot of them to the NFL. But that said, you know, there's still kids. There is a, there's, It's still an amateur sport. And you get on a slippery slope where once somebody does it, then it gets crazy. It's kind of like if you recall, years ago when you and I were younger in the Olympics, right, mm-hmm. we would trot out our college players and we'd play other, other countries, professionals essentially. I mean, at the end of the day, the NBA didn't have guys from other countries by and large, so you were playing their professionals. And we would almost always win invariably. The only time we lost was, I think, 72, that whole big Russian. They stole the time on the clock and made a layup at the buzzer. But by and large, we'd win. Then all of a sudden – I don't know if it was the late 80s or early 90s. I forget. I think it was late 80s. We lost with the college kids. And that was it. You know, we got to have the now, basically, you're, when you're watching the Olympics, 
you're no longer watching anything close to amateur sports. You're just watching the best professionals oh. in the world in a contest. Yeah, and there's there's no question about that. And yeah, so you know it's competition, and when you start doing a certain thing and people have success with it, you can only expect others to follow. So the SEC, quote unquote, is concerned about free time being taken away from kids. How about that? Hey, another big thing that went on this week, we weren't immediately on to dissect this as soon as it happened, but um, Cam Newton did have a uh, sort of a real press conference this time, and his press conference was to talk about what he didn't do at the other press conference, which was the one immediately after losing Super Bowl 50 to the Denver Broncos. Um, you know, to sum up what Cam Newton had to say is he's his own guy. He's not going, he's not here to conform to what it is, you know, public at large or what the media thinks he should be and, and act in the way that they would like him to act. He's going to be his guy and that, you know, he's on record of being a sore loser. And, uh, to quote him, uh, show me a guy that's a happy loser and I'll show you a loser. So he has no intentions of being happy-go-lucky Mr. Everything's Cool Guy after um, any future losses for the Carolina Panthers. What's your take on that? Well, the whole thing, I didn't get a chance to talk on it this week between my travel and what, what happened, you know, but um, the whole thing's got me a little bit disgusted with the whole Cam Newton. You know, I sense, um, I don't know, there's an undercurrent there with him. It, it bothers me because I hear I hear analysts even on TV suggest you know this guy's arrogant this guy's this first of all let's start with that the arrogant part maybe you could perceive him as arrogant but let's just say he's very confident you find me a big time athlete that's not uber confident okay they're not a big time athlete Derek Jeter who's probably one of the better athletes we've had in the last 30 years as far as how he carried himself trust me deep down that guy was confident bordering on cocky. Okay, when he played shortstop, he didn't take the team approach when when uh, A-Rod came to the Yankees. And at the time, A-Rod was a better defensive shortstop than, than Jeter. But he said, damn it, I'm the Yankee shortstop. You go play third base. Right. Nobody said, sure. oh, you know, that selfish guy. He should move. You know, he should move to third base. That's the way athletes are, man. They they think they're the best. If they didn't, they couldn't play at that you level. To. You have to in this game. They're yes. super competitive. Anything played on a high level like that? That's any. I don't care if you're playing high school sports. If you don't think you're that good, you won't. You know, you won't be the best at what you're doing at that level. It doesn't matter. Sports are competition. You have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. So he's the leader of the Panthers. Um, whatever you want to say, he led them to a 17 and two runner-up finish this year. So he did a pretty damn good job. He won the MVP. Anybody suggesting they lost that game? purely because of Cam Newton, in my opinion, doesn't watch much football. They lost that game because their offensive line got whipped, absolutely whipped by the Denver defensive line and linebackers. They could not they, you know, they couldn't get any blocks at the second level in the running game. Basically, the running game went nowhere, made the team one-dimensional, and that kid, I mean, he, if he didn't get hit 30 times in that game, he didn't get hit once. I'm not talking yeah, about well, a guy. Yeah, well, Tuesday, Emil, and he wasn't too enamored with uh, what Carolina called offensively, that they didn't really give the tackles any help, didn't use any backs to chip anybody. And, uh, you know, I didn't think it was an A-plus, obviously, um, game plan by Carolina on offense. I, I, I just thought well, it might no, be I mean, if you go out there for seven minutes, Chad, and, you know, eight minutes, you have a couple drives and you're doing that, and you say, hey, listen, we, we can't block Warren Miller. 
then then you got you got to change. You got to adjust. You got to you got to like he said. You got to chip some guy, guys. You got to leave a back in, a, maybe a tight end to help. Whatever you're going to do, you got to figure out a way to not get your quarterback early in the game out of rhythm and essentially playing what I like to call chuck and duck. And that's really what Newton was left to do in that game. I mean, his receivers didn't bail him out. I mean, there was a couple passes at key points in the game. The guys just dropped. It wasn't one of his better performances. But to sit here and say they lost the Super Bowl because of Cam Newton, I'm just telling you, then you're not. Well, football's a team game, man. We, we've talked about this. The quarterback gets way too much credit. And, I, and believe me, you, you need a quarterback. I'm not suggesting that. But way too much credit when teams win big and way too much blame when they lose in a big spot. The team has mm-hmm. to show up and play too. And they didn't help the guy. And you put the guy in the podium – from what I understand, the Denver players agreed that he should have been pissed off. They were within earshot of a guy who just lost the biggest game of his life, talking right. about what they did to screw him up, and he's a competitor. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to listen to it. Sure. And we act like he's the first guy that walked out of a press conference or, or wasn't a good loser, and we know Peyton Manning's been like that. Peyton Manning stormed off fields, not even shook hands after a Super Bowl. That was Peyton. Exactly. Was Peyton. Uh, Peyton's, you know, Peyton's a competitive that. guy. You know, Peyton's just competitive. But Cam Newton is a an arrogant thug, right? Is that is that what is that what the 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 word is now? No, <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting that they've chosen to paint him, and we'll talk more about that word, and we'll also talk about, hey, the SEC might be losing a football team this off season. There may be one less team playing in the SEC come 2016. We'll talk about that and more when we get back here on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Sure, summer's gone. Winter's here! But that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, T-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen-printed T-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? 
Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at T-ShirtSupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, Supplies Pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. We're back here on the Gridiron Studs Show. If you want to join us on the show today, the number to call is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. If you have comments for Amon or I, you do uh, reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. Amon, before we get back into the sports talk here, I just came across this on Facebook and, and, and had to look this up myself. Uh, Toronto Counselor. Uh, asked if they could ban Beyonce from Canada because of her halftime performance in which there was, you know, uh, a Black Panther theme to it. You know, they say this is a wonderful time to be alive, but Emil, I also got to say, we live in the most ridiculous times ever. This is absolutely ridiculous. I want to poke my eye out with a pencil. I mean, you, you bring up Beyonce. Let's talk about this in general. First of all, the First Amendment free speech, other than yelling, you know, fire in a crowded theater, the old example, because that could injure people, but generally speaking, is there to protect speech we disagree with. Speech that we agree with doesn't need protection. I mean, you and I could sit here and agree all day. We don't need protection, right? But if I say something, you know, incendiary, I need protection to be able to say it. That's what our country's about. She's allowed to do an act. There was nothing vulgar about it. Now there's people who don't appreciate the Black Panther theme, but guess what? You have this thing that most of us are pretty good at working. It's called the remote. Change the channel. Right. If you're at the game and you don't like it, go take a leak. Buy some popcorn. I'm so sick of this whole thing where we're going to ban somebody. Even the stuff with Trump, we should ban him from England because he's – get the hell out of here. You're going to ban him from England. Yeah, go ahead, and I hope he <laughs> – he'll start pulling investments yeah, in I, your I, country. Listen, what is wrong with people? There, It seems there's nothing – you can do without offending someone. And, you know, in this day and age where everyone has a platform and everyone does have a platform, it's just, uh, it gets to be ridiculous. You can't even, you know, live your life, which kind of goes back to the Cam Newton thing. Um, If you're trying to live your life to please others, you're definitely in this day and age, you're really going to run yourself into the ground. Um, well, but don't forget, Chad, it's fake. Most of this stuff is not real. And what I mean by that is 
um, the outcry and the people being, you know, offended by it, it's not real. Most of it is to make a statement on the other side. So at the end of the day, there's very few people who couldn't sleep at night because Beyonce did something with the Black Panthers. Really what they want to do is they want to make a statement against the political statement she was making. So instead of just challenging it on its surface and telling her why they think she's wrong, they're going to pretend she's aff- they're offended and try to get her banned from a country. No different than with Trump. Instead of making an argument when he says something that you think is crazy, saying here's why what you said is crazy, it's easier just to say I'm offended, let's ban the guy. And that, that, I mean, that's where we're at with everything anymore. Yeah, we uh, seem to lend an air to that, you know. So, well, speaking of banned, uh, speaking of, uh, um, you know, pleasing others, uh, I just checked out your your article you sent me here <laughs> about Ted Cruz. Um, absolutely First hilarious. First of all, Ted Cruz, I can't picture <laughs> Ted. Could you picture Ted Cruz like like? Turning on Cinemax at night. I mean, for Ted Cruz, people aren't following along as a you know a uh, candidate for the uh, GOP presidential nomination. Probably one of the top three or four left. Um, so there's a good chance he could be the nominee. Um, ran an ad apparently where the actress who starred in the ad after they failed to vet her was a former porn star. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. So unfortunate. For Ted and um, Ted probably knew this. He's probably seen her in all of her videos. Probably, let me, you know, he probably. Hey, let me ask you a quick question before we go back to football. I have a question for you. Uh, Baylor's playing a football game against Kansas State. Hmm. Clock hit zero. The final score is Baylor sixty, Kansas State thirty-eight. Who wins the game? Hmm. Um, Baylor wins the game, but. That's football. Not if you no 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 not if you're a Democrat. <laughs> Apparently, Bernie Sanders. Again, for those not following along, there was a, a primary election on Monday uh, or Tuesday in New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders garnered sixty percent of the vote in this election. Hillary Clinton, the other candidate, got thirty-eight percent. Now, um, if you didn't study in your civics classes, they go to these conventions. There's delegates that have, you know are apportioned in each state. And, you know, if there's 30 delegates, you know, one person might get 20. If they're splitting it, the other person might get 10. And you go to the convention, whoever has the most delegates to get over the threshold wins the nomination. That's the 40,000-foot overview. Well, when they leave New Hampshire, there's 30 delegates. Bernie got 60% of the vote. Hillary got 40. You would think you would maybe Bernie would get 18, 19. Hillary would get 11 or 12. Mm-mm. 15, 15. That's the math we do today. I mean – Without going in full poli sci class here, um, I'm sure there's a legit explanation for this. Not really. These super delegates, from what I understand, are with these people that are, you know, given this. They're supposed to follow the primary results, but they don't really mm-hmm. have to. See, the primaries are not controlled by election boards. In other words, they're controlled by the party because the primary campaign is nothing more than you picking your candidate as a party to run in a general election. Mm-hmm. So they have all goofy rules in both sides, but but the, but the Democrats have especially goofy rules with the way they hand out their delegates. And you and I would have to do a three-hour show and have on a professor from the University of Miami poli-sci class, uh, you know, chair of the department, to try to explain to us uh, why they're allowed to do this. All I'm telling you is, you know, Common sense would dictate the people in New Hampshire were picking one candidate over the other to 
mm-hmm. represent, you know, to be the, the person for that state, let's say, in this primary election. That's not going to occur. <laughs> so that's why Apparently you and I not, with sports. Apparently not. You know what else might not occur here is uh, football at Louisiana State University in 2016. Yes, folks, I'm not joking. The governor of Louisiana is, uh, he says it's not a threat. It's not, this is not a joke, that because of the shortfall, uh, $940 million in counting in state budget, the situation may arise where you could not have LSU on the football field in 2016. Now, I'm reading this article, and uh, he's adamant about it and that this is not something that should be ignored and this is not some kind of a scare tactic, that this is real. And uh, if something's not done here and in a hurry, there may not be LSU football in 2016. Gauge for me, from your standpoint, the level of real that this is. Five on a scale of 100. Listen, <laughs> let's stop, go back, and let's. we're, we're kind of back into politics I mean, listen, football. Conceivably, Amel could not... Um, LSU just go write a check for that $940 million shortfall and cut all this BS? Oh, I'm sure they could if they want to, yeah, but but let's let's take a step back. Big, big picture, right? He's a Democratic governor in Louisiana. He wants more revenue to cut a shortfall. Um, mm. Louisiana, typically a Republican state. I'm sure their House, I don't know enough about there, but I'm sure their House, their Congress in Louisiana, House and Senate, is controlled by Republicans. So he wants more spending, so he threatens something that everyone in Louisiana loves, which is football. Now, let's play this out. While they may be pissed at the Republicans, he is not going to be mm-hmm. the governor of Louisiana the next time he runs, if that happens. Mm-hmm. So sure. I'm going to guess that this – yeah, this is just to get everybody you know, up in an uproar, get the Republicans probably to cave a little bit more towards what he's looking for to cut this shortfall – and, you know, increase some taxes. And you know how politics work. works. The people will be going down to the office of their uh, congressman or, you know, senator or whatever it is, saying, you know what, you've got it. You've got to give more taxes here. We'll, we'll pay whatever we need to see LSU football. We don't care. You've got to give them this tax increases. <laughs> I mean, next to, next to God on Sunday um, is LSU football. So, you know, this guy could be assassinated if, LSU football is not take place. In and you're saying that purely in a speculative way. That you're not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form. I'm not suggesting that to anyone with no. no brain power out there that might be influenced by Chad Wilson, radio host on Blog Talk Radio. But I'm just telling you, I've been out in LSU on a couple of occasions, including a football game this past fall. And I'm telling you, that's serious business down here, and that's not something to be messed with. Um, well, that, you know, you're better again, off that's where, away from a cowboy. That's where, and that's where I go back to saying I don't believe a word of it to any large degree because of that. I mean, if you really take a look, he's playing this out in the media, hoping that there's enough pressure exerted on the other side to come to some sort of accord somewhere in the middle of whatever they're arguing about. That's really the way I see it. Now, because think about it. He wants, I'm sure he wants to be governor, right? He does this. Well, they Maybe may vote on like this. Right, exactly. If you do this stuff, and and let's say hypothetically, they LSU didn't have a football season, he'd be lucky if he could live in the state more or less, be governor. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm telling you, it could be serious business for him. Quoting him from the Times Picayune, 
If you're a student attending one of these universities, it means that you will receive a grade of incomplete. Many students will not be able to graduate, and student athletes across the state at those schools will be ineligible to play next semester. That means you can say farewell to college football next fall. You think the other side is even taking this any type of seriously? Well, yeah, because they care about football. I mean, politically, probably not. They understand. I mean, it doesn't take a guy like me to tell them what's going on here. I'm sure they they figured that out a long time ago themselves. But let's face it, they're football fans, too, these people down there. I mean, they're not just senators and representatives and governors. They're football fans. So from that point of view, they might be taking it seriously because they're like, damn, there better be LSU football in September. And your LSU Tigers just secured, depending on which – recruiting outfit you pay attention to the number one recruiting class in the country so um to those guys in the class of 2016 you might not play football this year uh, according to louisiana governor john bell edwards so file that one away perhaps we can reference that at some point later on amel i've uh by now you and everyone else knows how i feel about the targeting rule in college football it is the dumbest thing that has ever been implemented in this game. Um, Sending a player off for something that happens at high speed and that is not necessarily deliberate is just just mind-boggling to me. There's one thing to, you know, hit an official. There's one thing to um, get in a fight out of bounds um, and cause a big melee. And then it's another thing during the course of action in a game to strike a player not at a small desired spot and to be sent off for it, I think is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. And when you think enough noise has been made about it, that uh, if it's not totally eradicated, it at least would get softened. No, not the NCAA. No, not at all. They're going to enhance the targeting rule. Did you hear about this? I heard that they were going to enhance it, but I wasn't sure. I thought I thought it was going to be an improvement. I didn't even read the article when I saw they were enhancing it because I was I, I kept oh, listening to you. But what have we so, learned about so, when the NCAA says something's going to be improved? Come on, it's not always improved. <laughs> no, it's never improved. Have, you know, always have one eyebrow up when you hear that. Uh, yeah, well, so uh, so explain to me explain to me this wonderful improvement I'm going to see this year. Let me give you the good of what came out of the rule committee meetings as it pertains to the targeting rule. Quote, unquote, and there are no real specifics on this. Uh, Replay officials would be given more authority to overturn incorrect targeting fouls. So what exactly was happening before this? Uh, I don't understand. Yeah, I I, I thought that's what what they did. You reviewed it, Wait a second, Wait, let me help you. Maybe it's the op- maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they're saying, in general, if it's called targeting in 15 yards, the refs can actually say it wasn't even targeting and it shouldn't even be 15 yards. Could it be something like that? Because before I'm all they could do is yeah, very yeah, gray. I, very gray. You know how I feel about the rule. You've already been penalized 15 yards. I don't understand why we need to go on and on and you know. Throw guys out. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. This could happen, and it has happened on the first play of the game. Yeah, I know. I mean, come on, it's it's ridiculous. I think it's a it's it's a tragedy for fans. Uh, again, especially if you come there to see you know perhaps one specific player, and uh, that player sent off in the first quarter off of something like that. But here's the part of the rule that just blows me away. 
thrown in there is that the replay official will now be given the opportunity to call targeting penalties when they're missed on the field. What in the world? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to call yeah, that's not penalties from the booth? Oh, boy. That's not when good. When does it end? When will we draw the line? Can you, can you, can you call pass interference penalties that have been missed? Are we, are we really opening that door? We're going to have officials from upstairs call penalties? How exactly would that work? Emil, you know, how's that going to work exactly? Play happens, you go back, and then what, how does this happen in this hurry-up offense-type uh, world that we live in in college football? We're going to stop play after another play has happened and said, oh, 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 hold on a minute. Number 27, uh, the stripes upstairs said you hit a guy in the head. You're out of here. Imagine. Listen, that. I what am uh, with you on this whole thing. I don't understand. I think you and I have talked about this, and since it's the offseason, Maybe since we're on this subject, you'll allow me to touch on this and part of the problem I have um, with replay in general. I think we've gone way over the top in the original intent of what replay was there for. It was it was really there to determine what you would call momentum and you know game changing plays. And I know you can make the argument that you know any play can change a game. Kind of to your point, I mean you could call a holding call on an 80-yard touchdown pass, that can change the game, but we're not going to sit there and review the holding call. I think replay should be limited, really, to turnovers and scores, period. I'm kind of sick and tired of a team's moving the ball down the field, moving, moving, moving. There's a close play and a spot of a football, and all of a sudden the flag comes out, and we're going to get a challenge on the spot. Plays stop from anywhere from two to five minutes. They they respot a football based on 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 you know inches, remeasure, mm-hmm. and we start playing again. All the momentum in a game like football, where where it's a momentum sport, is stopped. And I just I I I, I just think we I think we've gone crazy with it. I really do. You know, I'm kind of on your side. I'm kind of on your side with that. And you know, I had a little bit of a problem um, with. You know, obviously the call that was made during you know early part of the Super Bowl where it was an obvious, clear catch, and, you know, it was ruled not a catch. And even when replay showed that it was a catch, it was determined to not be a catch. If we're going to be stopping games to do that kind of nonsense, I'm definitely with you. Let's just stick it to uh, scoring plays and turnovers. Let's stop stopping games if we're not going to get it right, at least on that stuff. I mean, for crying out loud. Well, imagine, imagine if you could go to the clock and well, take a sport like basketball, okay, where really momentum is huge in basketball. You get a team, they're frazzled, you know, things are going haywire. Okay, imagine if a, a ref called a ball, uh, you know, called a guy stepping on the line, out of bounds, other team gets the ball, and all of a sudden you could, you could throw a flag out and stop the game. Now you're pressing a team. They're turning the ball over. You're making a run. You're on a 10-point run. And let's just stop the game for four minutes and see if we could see if his shoelace was on the line. I mean, mm, yeah, it just, you just can't. It, there's a human element to sports. We have to accept some of that. Humans play the games. Humans officiate the games. I'm not saying don't try to get the major calls correct, but you're changing the essence of a football game when you're stopping it for five minutes in the middle of a drive to see if, if, if a ball was on the – 34-yard uh, line in 30 inches or the 34-yard line in 27 inches? 
Yeah, I mean, again, I'm with you, but you're going to get a ton of coaches that are going to say, you know, uh, these other plays, um, like you said, will uh, ruin momentum. Or, you know, uh, what about if it's a third down play and now we've got a punt when a drive could have been extended and it could have led to a score. And uh, they'll just go on and on and on. But if I had my choice, I'd be there with you. I was all pretty much calling for, why don't we just do away with replay if we're, if we're not going to get it right? Um, if, if we're going to have a, a situation like we had in that game where everyone and their mother, a um, couple billion people to be exact, could see that this was a catch and you call it not a catch after looking at it. What would be the point? Well, uh, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I mean, I don't I don't know what the point is. I mean, I've seen enough calls in my life, you know, over the last 10 years where clearly the guys in the booth, you sitting there watching the game and everybody else knows what the right call is, and yet they go to replay and astonishingly come back with, you know, it, it, it's, we can't determine it, so we're going to leave it on the field. So you're sitting there saying, well, you just stopped this game for five, six minutes. You went through all this BS, and at the end you came up with the wrong call anyway. Let's just keep playing. Play on. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. We'll have to endure yet another year of the targeting rule, and it may be enhanced. They may miss targeting calls and get them dropped on us and, Oh, I just can't wait. Well, nevertheless, we need to jump into a break here. But you know, we all listen to Cam Newton being called, uh, among other things, you know, a thug by some of the folks out there. But is there a real thug out there in the NFL that perhaps folks have missed? We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. What's the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Uh, much of the lead up to 
Super Bowl 50, which was two weeks, uh, hearing about Cam this, evil Cam, Cam that, even the word thug was thrown out there a couple of times. And as far as I know, Emil, Cam Newton has not committed any crimes, uh, has not been accused of any, certainly not convicted of any. Um, and unfortunately, that word is used. Uh, there's another individual that played quarterback in the National Football League that's going through some troubled times right now. Uh, a lot of it having to do with booze. And uh, that is Johnny Manziel, who has reportedly had some run-ins with his girlfriend that has gotten physical. Um, and reports out there that um, he had ruptured, ruptured his girlfriend's eardrum. Uh, girlfriend's name is Colleen Crowley, by the way. Uh, that's according to her attorney that there's you know a lot of accusations of physical abuse and disturbing threats about killing her, killing himself, killing both of them, and uh, you know some other things in an affidavit uh, talking about some encounters, some physical encounters that have happened there, and not once, Emil, and perhaps I've missed it. Have I heard the the term "thug" used for Johnny Manziel? But in comparison, uh, I, if it's field, happened, I've missed it too because I haven't heard it, and that to me seems like what if it's true? I mean, you know, he is presumed innocent, I guess. You know, but it seems like it's true though. Um, that would be the definition of the word for me. Yeah, I mean, a thug is someone who commits uh, illegal acts, basically, just at its very, you know, very basic terms. That is it. I wonder, Emil, what the uh, reviews would be, what the terms would be used, what would be the commentary if this were Cam Newton that had engaged in this behavior. Oh, my God. You'd have you'd have a base of fans that, on top of calling him that word would probably call for him to be sent to the electric chair. You can't yeah, a monster. <laughs> so, right. I mean, I mean you know what? The truth of it is it would be a fair – here's the thing. If you want to use the term a monster, if that's what he did, it would be a fair – term but my point is use it consistently don't just pull mm. out the word and we've talked about this you know and i you know i really hate doing this because it's it's i i don't like going there all the time but on this stuff it really pisses me off because we we seem to only use this for black athletes and you know and, and i'm saying that as a white guy i mean i i've i've hear hear that word used in a context that has nothing to do with the way it's meant. I mean, if someone is, you know, a murderer or a rapist or a wife beater, they are a thug. But we use the hmm. word thug almost to say that, you know, they're arrogant. But that, the, the clothes he's wearing that's the, or, yeah, or his, the way um, they act on the field, even when it's not in uh, an aggressive manner with, with Cam. Right. Where he dances. And it's a shame. And I'm going to tell you why people of color have seemed to make a really big deal out of this, much to the chagrin of some uh, folks on the other end of it who are, you know, quote unquote, tired of black people making everything about race. But here's the problem. And here's what, you know, occurs that really leads people of color to be up at arms about is that when you go throwing that around and you start painting people in that manner. It affects the common um, people of color. It affects the common African-American out there because everyone is, watches football. It's the most popular sport in our country. And when one of the most popular people in the game who's successful and making money is being painted in that light, then the common theme is there, like, then none of them could be right. Here's a guy with all the money in the world 
and he's a thug. You know what? All these guys, all of them, and I've got my fingers up quoting, all of them are thugs. So you want to go to the market, you want to go to the store, you want to walk down the street, you want to go live your normal life as a normal black American citizen, you run into this stereotype on a day-to-day basis because it's been painted that way um, in the media for someone who is, you know, right now, at this point in time, Cam Newton is the most popular African-American at this moment in time. Well, and here's the danger with that. And, and you know, this is going to, to people in Miami or L.A., people listening there, it's going to seem outlandish. But I grew up in a small town, okay? You're in Miami. You're exposed to all kinds of people. I made the comment when we were out, I need the Rosetta Stone down there to, 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 to navigate because people sure, from every sure. country are there, Florida, Germany, uh, obviously Cuba, everywhere, okay? You name it. There, you meet people down there. So you're exposed to that, so you can form your own opinion when you're young because you meet all kinds of people. I grew up in a small town with 15,000 people. Now, it's a little different today, uh, but when I grew up, honestly, if there was – and this is going to let – people are going to chuckle. If there was five black people in that town in, in the 70s, that's a lot. Okay? Yeah. I really – I really didn't meet. I mean, I remember as a kid, I went to Florida once, Disney World, like all people from the North do. I might have been 12. And I remember hanging out with these black kids my age at the pool and having a great time. I remember being a little kid, you know, 10 or 12, something like that. That, But other than that, I'm telling you right now, I didn't hang out with black people until I was in college. And then I had a lot of black friends. (laughs) Okay, so my point is if I hear this and I'm exposed to this all the time, this, this, this talk, I might form an opinion because I'm ba- I have nothing to base it on from real life. I mean, sure. all I hear is that these guys are thugs. And I know that exactly. sounds really crazy to people listening down there. But if you're from a small town in the middle of the country, you really might not know any black people. I'm being, Let I'm me curious. refer back I'm to from- the conversation we, were, we had, Emil, when we were going to dinner. Uh, and this, this would apply here. You were talking to me about how you, you – ran into some people down in South Pete that were from Russia. And now you've not been to Russia. I've not been to Russia. But you'd ask them some questions or they'd offered up some information about people in Russia and how things are in Moscow. And um, from what I could gather, you were surprised to hear how things were in Moscow. You'd never been there, right? You'd never been there. So you, you, what everything you'd learned and had been exposed to in this country about Russia and, you know, you're someone who was aware during the 80s that Russia's, Russia's evil. Uh, they, have, they, have a, they have a mob. Um, they had nuclear weapons. They were ready to bomb us. Vladimir Putin is crazy. So if he's crazy, yeah. everyone else is crazy in Russia. And that is your impression, my impression, and the impression of most folks from this country have never been to Russia about Russians. And here you were learning from someone who had been there that Moscow's not like that. And so that's what right. right I mean, I mean at the end of not... exactly at the end of the day, you know, on a broader scale, countries. What we see of countries many times is their government. That doesn't always reflect the attitudes of their people. I mean, no different than our government does things that we don't agree with here. Um, we don't agree with it. So, so the people in another country might hate the United States. At the end of the day, you might find 90% of the people don't like what the hell the government's doing. So you have to learn to expand a little bit and think. And the, to your point, the language used with some of these with some of these athletes, it's influencing people who, who, as I said, from towns in the Midwest or like me up in the north where a little town in, you know, in Pennsylvania, 
you didn't you weren't exposed to all kinds of people when you were growing up. So if that's constantly out there in the media and that's what you hear, well then we wonder why this stuff continues generationally. People are not you know, the best way to learn is to be exposed to something. But if you're not exposed to it, you're going to form your opinion by what you hear a lot of times. So, yeah, it's, it's um, dangerous. And, and that's, that's the biggest, most unfortunate part of this whole thing. I think it's what has um, black people up in arms. for. So so for th- those out there that don't necessarily understand it and you think, oh, they're always bringing race into it, it really is a fight to preserve your day-to-day life. To be able to go to the store and not run into a problem, not be followed around the store, or not to be, you know, followed by police officers who are like every other citizen watching TV and being influenced by it. So I, that's that's the fight for those out there who may be confused by it. And there are others out there who just well, I'm telling you right now, it. and I mean, I would love to do this sometime, you know, but you know, you'd have to, you'd really have to put some effort into it. But I, I can almost guarantee you, I know the results. <clears throat> you and I are essentially the same age. You're five years younger than me. About the same size. I mean, you know, five eleven and a half, six foot. You, what do you weigh? About one ninety. You about, you know. So yeah. we're about the same size guy, really. If we mm-hmm. both threw on a hoodie in my neighborhood at night and walked down the street <laughs> at people, I, I would don't guarantee want to be you. In this particular, uh, but I would guarantee you nine out of ten. <laughs> if I walked out, would threat. keep walking. <laughs> but no, serious now. Be, 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 Stay with me here. I guarantee you, nine out of ten, maybe all ten, would keep walking right by me, and stay hello, or just walk by yeah, me, and not saying. You're a jogger. With you, I guarantee at least half, if not the, if not more, would cross the other side of the street. Oh, most definitely. Listen, you in a hoodie is a guy jogging that's concerned about his fitness. Uh, yes. Me with a hoodie on is a guy concerned about the purse that's around your shoulder or what's your what's in your pocket. It's really Bingo. how that works. Bingo. So. <laughs> If you think this stuff isn't real or, you know, and again, I, I, you and I both agree on this. I think there are a lot of situations in our country where it's overused and misused, mm-hmm. and it, it really takes away from the, the argument that is it's important. The real application. Yeah, the real correct. application. Correct. I mean, a lot, you know, everyone yes, a lot of people thing. just try to throw it out there for any old, you know, somebody uses – you know, you know, somebody uses the word Black Friday. Well, why are we calling it Black Friday? Doesn't that insult black people? I mean, you know, that yeah, is kind I think of. In this, I think in this day and age, Emil, and I'm sure you agree with me on this, we give, we lend too much of an ear. We pay too much attention to those that go off the deep end, people that have um, opinions that are really way out there. We, we, you know, we, we give that a little bit more face time than we should, and it, you know that causes problems. But. Uh, we're running out of time here, so we can't go into as long a discussion about it. we got a long off-season, so I'm sure we're going to touch on this again. With the mo- final moments that we have here, uh, we'll have to postpone our NFL draft talk maybe until Monday. But, you know, RG3, uh, even while he was a part of the Washington Redskins this season, there was talk about people um, – there was talk from people as to where would be the next place – the next best place for him to end up. And, um, you know, the latest reports are, you know, perhaps in Kansas City with uh, Andy Reid. Hey, that's not a – that's probably not a bad thing there, Amon. That's not a bad deal. I even mentioned Kansas City. No, that's not a bad deal for him. I mean, I think I think he'd be a nice guy for Reid to work with and maybe develop. Reid's always been known as a, a good offensive coach um, for the most part. And it seems to you, – you know, he's worked with a guy who had a similar style coming up in Donovan McNabb, a guy that turned into a real passer 
after you know we you know guy a guy who used his legs to throw the ball which is what we always talk about you know evade the rush and make a play down the field and McNabb was very good at that he started off in the league more wanting to just bail out of the pocket and then developed into a you know a championship caliber quarterback although you know he never won the Super Bowl he certainly had the Eagles right there all the time so um you know I could see him there I mean I think Jerry Jones has a twinkle in his eye for RG3 I think he's always liked him so well is his twinkle in the eye bigger for RG3 than it is for um Johnny Manziel because we know he's got that twinkle in his eye listen I'm telling you right now and I'm saying this on the air so everybody can listen to this okay because because you know I'm very adamant I'm a I'm a fan okay we know I've got a real affinity for L.A. sports, the Trojans and the Dodgers. And I've always said, you know, when the Rams were there, they were my second favorite team. I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to film it and put it on YouTube, I will pack up every piece of Cowboy paraphernalia, and I will, rena- I will renounce my, my fandom permanently. I will be a Rams fan if, he, if they sign Johnny Manziel. You can watch it on YouTube. I will do it. I will, I will mail it in a box to Jerry Jones. He can give it to the Salvation Army down there at Thanksgiving Day. 40 years of being a Cowboys fan, maybe even 40-plus years of being a Cowboys fan, will go up in smoke over the signing of Johnny Manziel. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Because to, to me, it signifies more than just what he's about. He he is the definition. You you pick a word. You want to use the word a-hole, he's an a-hole. Thug, he's a thug. Uh, spoiled, he's spoiled. Okay, all that stuff. But it tells me that they have become, if they sign him, Jerry Jones is officially where Al Davis was at the end of his career, and you know what? We've only got a li- we've only got a limited amount of time on this earth, and I'm not going to spend it on Sundays watching that if he does that. Yeah, um, that's strong. That's powerful. But you know, I'm here, you know, making a big deal out of it all coming down to this one thing. But I I turned in my Ram fandom over one thing, and that was them not re-signing Eric Dickerson. You know, I was. Certainly right. Not There's years. a certain point as a fan, okay, where, where you, it's, it's not like I'd be a front runner. I, I, if I went to the Rams, it's, I'd be consistent with basically all. I mean, I always say the only reason I like the Cowboys is they belong in L.A. anyway. They're a Hollywood team. At the end of the day, uh, I'd be going to a team that's an also ran right now because I just, I will not, I mean, I don't think they're going to do it, so I think I'm kind of overstating all this. But if they did it, I, I, it would just be a breaking point for me. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah, well, that's pretty strong. Uh, do you think, though, Emil, and this begs the question, this is the last thing we'll do here before we check out, do you believe Johnny Manziel, since you're that strong against him being in Dallas, do you believe Johnny Manziel belongs in the NFL after, let's assume, that he gets his life um, somewhat cleaned up? I don't think he's going to get all the way cleaned up, but at least to the point where you're, you know, you're functional. And I need to understand, number one, what went on with the young lady. I mean, really, you know, how bad he hurt her, what happened, was it real, you know, what, what's going on there, before I can really answer that. But let's take that off the table and just say everything that happened prior to that. Until he gets himself, he's got a drug and alcohol problem, okay, it's mm-hmm. evident. He's got an attitude problem probably that, re- that, that, that is from the drug and alcohol problem partially, okay, or at least it reveals what he really is. He needs serious therapy, Number one, to get off drugs and alcohol, and two, he's got personality issues. He needs—he really needs to straighten himself out. So the short answer would be not as he is today. He cannot play in the NFL. He's not worth it. He's—he's he's only going to bring your organization heartache. There's nothing there. He's not lending anything. Okay, to your so organization. this question, 
provided that he goes and does all these things that you just proposed, would you still then be opposed uh, to him being a cowboy? Um, for football reasons, yes. For football reasons, yes. I just don't. I listen. He's a circus, and I I don't think that's what Dallas needs. I like RG three. RG three doesn't bring a circus. He's a, a humble young man. Uh, for the most part, you know, I, I've always heard him do interviews. Uh, he's polite. He answers the questions. Um, so I think he could sit there and learn, and, and there's something to be gained on the football field by having him on your team if you can develop him. I just don't see mm-hmm. anything on a football level with Johnny Manziel. Gotcha. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll just have to leave it there at that. But that's that's pretty strong. I've never heard you go uh, this far, turning into Jersey helmets with the star oh, and all the listen, listen, you're going to be putting it up on the gridiron studs because we're, going to, we're we're doing a YouTube video. I'm going to film it. I'm going to talk to Jerry, and I'll do a two- or three-minute video. I'll pack everything neatly in a box. We'll tape it, and we'll send it down there. You can give it to the kids for Salvation Army Day there when they have the, when the turkey day. All your cowboy stuff would fit in a one box? Might be two. Probably not. I might have to pay a little bit extra UPS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well... Hey, that's a little bit of drama I got to see here. Will Will Jerry have his way? Because he has, you know, he has expressed his interest in Johnny Mandel. So we'll have to we'll have to see that. A bit of a quiet weekend here, Amal. No football games going down. But if you're a college basketball fan, uh, this is that time of year for you. You got to get your fill of it. Um, I haven't followed college basketball. That's something for us to talk don't, about. Don't forget to watch the Yes Network this weekend. Uh, Mariano Rivera is going to clip his toenails for half an hour. Oh my God! Yeah, if you're a real baseball fan, tune into that, and uh, there'll be a, you know a whole demonstration on applying pine tar to your back the effective way. Please be sure to check that out. Go out, enjoy yourself this weekend, and if you're up there in the great Northeast where it's cold, you know what? Netflix and chill works for everyone. For Abel Calavito, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.